Today, I get to interview Daniel Lawson, a, a corporate strategist, founder of Parallax and uh, other companies as well, and a person who wrote the book, The Three Toxic Lies, and we can go deeper into that as well. We're going to talk a lot today about the concept of time, your relationship to time, hustle culture, business. A lot of people now, especially in the real estate agent market and these other business markets, they're having to hustle two, three times harder to get the same results, which took an already you know amplified hustle culture and has maybe put it on drugs or steroids or whatever you want to call it. And we're going to talk about maybe how to unwind that so that you can live a life that you want to live and have the business that you want to have. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, as you were writing the book, you were kind of experiencing the very thing that you were writing about, right? That you were trying to help people with. So to kind of take us in to the heart of what it was like as you were writing this book, The Three Toxic Lies. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so passionate about sharing this story. And I love coming on and speaking with people like yourself and, and of course, sharing these insights with your listeners. I think it's such an important message for entrepreneurs and talking about the real estate industry and every anyone that's going out and doing and creating incredible things in this world. Um, relationship with time is a massive thing. But yeah, coming back to the coming back to the book, it wasn't actually my intention to write this book. When, when I started out, I thought it was going to be a lead magnet, you know, like a PDF um, thing that I could start just generating some value and some interest in this new program that I was about to launch. And as I dived into it, it just turned into this way bigger uh, project that it kind of consumed me at the same time, inspired me. And I was like, wow, this is a really big deal. Um, our relationship with time, and, and it was influenced by a whole lot of things that I was doing at that, at that time, consumed me in and kind of sucked away my life. And then I thought, well, this is ironic. Isn't this the whole point of what I'm sharing in the story? And I, was, I realized I was writing it from not a theoretical perspective, but more of an intellectual perspective based on what I could remember or based on what it is that I've shared or have learned or you know these things of the past. And as I connected with that moment of going, wow, I'm actually experiencing this right now. I've got a deadline in two weeks for this book. I've got a deadline for two weeks for this program, coaching program that I'm about to launch. I've got a deadline for two weeks that I'm writing. I was doing two personal development programs for a coaching school in Bali. And I was like, shit, I've got all these deadlines, <laughs> absolute hustle, but I'm not going to get sucked into it this time because I know the code, I'm writing the code right now. And uh, as it turned out, as I was writing the book, I was experiencing and going through and testing and validating all the concepts and ideas and it worked beautifully it gave me a lot of confidence in what it is that i was sharing and i think it was just such a wonderful result to be able to share that going from a two-page pdf to you know it's not a long book can get it done in 90 minutes but with just such absolute gold no fluff just straight in here is why it's important and how to do it so let's talk about it let's set it up for those i mean obviously you can get a lot more if you want to read the book but let's set it up yeah. so what should be the proper relationship of time well, the relationship with time, it's a really good question. I think um, the way that I came across shifting the concept of time and our relationship with time, it's kind of like what um, comedians do. They take something that's so like mundane or just so accepted, draw attention to a point at it, and then sort of make a joke around it, laugh how ridiculous, ridiculous it really is. And that's what I thought about time. I, I like to do this in my life when, when there's a result that I'm not getting. I'm like, well, I wonder how we can switch up the strategy, the perspective, the belief, how we can attend to it a little bit differently and get a different result. Time, you know, no one's going to argue that, okay, we've got infinite time in this world. I, I'm not here to challenge that. It's That would be ridiculous. You know, we've got X amount of years in this world and then we, then we pass away and go wherever we go next. 
but it's not really having this idea or this concept around you know time is a resource time is the most precious resource that we can have and we need to trade it for money or value or whatever it is it's a commodity it's not functional in the way that it just it brings such a for most people a lot of people everyone i've spoken to it brings a scarcity belief you know, a scarcity mindset, it's always running out, or we don't have enough of it. And it creates this experience in life that we've got to cram more into the time that we have available, which I think this is where hustle cultures really, it really stems from this ideology. And I was like, well, if it's not that, what could it be instead? And I really, I started thinking about it and started feeling into it. And I'm like, well, if time's not a commodity, what could it be instead? And I was like, what if we took time as something that's out there, it's external to us, and brought it in here and had it as an internal psychological experience. Time becomes an experience. And when we switch this into going, well, time is an experience, now we can start taking responsibility for how it is that we want to be experiencing life. And that influences so, so, the first, so the much. The first thing on this then is you're bringing time from an external exercise to an mm. internal exercise. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Yeah, so so the importance, I suppose, around that is when we shift, like, it's a psychological, shifting time from a psychological reality into a psychological state instead. The big reason for that is, well, we can take personal responsibility. When it's out there, anything that's out there, we can point at it, we can blame it, we can judge it, we can make excuses for it, there's reasons for not having enough time. Anyone that doesn't have enough time or says they don't have enough time in their life well, there's always a reason for it, right? There's always an excuse for it because it's out there. But as soon as we bring it in here and and saying, well, I don't, admitting that we don't have enough time is almost like saying, well, I'm just admitting I don't have any control over my life. I don't, I, do, I can't control it or influence it. And sure, we're not going to be able to influence the ticking hand on the, on the watch, but we can influence the way that we're perceiving it. And so that's the next big point. Well, what do we have control and influence over? Well, thoughts the way that we're perceiving it, what we're choosing to notice for a lot of people. And well, for all of us, we've all got, you know, you're not alone to have crazy thoughts or ideas sometimes that pop in, you know, like, where did that come from? That's not me. That's just that crazy voice, but we can choose what voice we got to listen to. And so it comes back to this belief now that it's like, well, what if we don't manage time at all? What if we manage decisions? And now we have a controller, but we can't get any more time but we can choose what we're going to take, we can remove from the time. You know, what we're not going to be investing our attention into, that then creates the illusion of creating more time. Time's not an illusion, just our perspective of it is. Yeah. And so obviously a lot of people talk about, like I've heard some mentors say, it's not time management, it's choice management, which is kind of along the lines yeah. of your team. Um, yeah. I'd like to talk a little bit about what perpetuates this problem. I heard of... Um, a YouTube video or a short, I think the other day, and someone said that one of the reasons that he believes Americans struggle so much with the concept of time is that like, so in European and, and Asian cultures, time is not viewed exactly the same way as particularly Asian cultures. Like time's more viewed like this as a point, as opposed to in the Western culture, it's viewed like a starting point. And because it's viewed like a starting point in a straight line, then essentially it's, it's like every moment that's not capitalized on is lost forever. Um, mm. And so therefore, so Curious your thoughts on that. Like if if structurally in the West we view time in the wrong way. 
Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, I think there's two parts that I would love to touch on with that is understanding firstly is understanding what's important. Yeah. If we don't know what's important, we're not going to know what to attend to. So then it's kind of like you're trying to chase something and then end up running around in circles in the wrong direction and then getting forever more lost and flustered and frustrated. And and then that just perpetuates the experience and negative experience of time. Um, the second part to more more what you're referring to is looking at things as a deadline, like there's a finish line and it's a finish line of of what? And so if everything has a finish line, what happens when you cross that finish line? Like you need another finish line and you have another goal. I think this is the unhealthy perspective of goals. Now it's not like the, the it's not the getting the goal that's important. It's the old concept of who it is that we become along the way in the pursuit of achieving the goal, because that's what lasts with us. And it's kind of the same. I see it kind of the same with the experience of time. So the way that we're experiencing time is not like do that thing, do this thing. You know, we're human beings, not human doings. It's not a finish line. But when we experience it, it's like, well, how do we want to experience the time that we have? So many people, you know, like with the, the whole idea of your, the name of your podcast here, Freedom Chasers. I love that. I think most of us, all of us that have some kind of intention in life want more freedom. So I discovered this when I moved to Bali during the pandemic. I was living in Melbourne, pandemic, the shutdown, and it was so confined. And it was like everyone was lacking freedom for the most part, you know, generalization, but it felt like a very much a lack of a freedom. So I thought, I'll move to Bali. I'll go where the freedoms are. And I got there and I had the external freedoms, but I felt still so confined in, in, within myself because I didn't have a control or an influence over the way that I was showing up in the world. So I was very reactive. And so freedom, and, and, and I'll, I'll tie this back into time in just a moment, is how when, sorry, I forgot what I was going to say then. When, when we're showing up in our world and there's external influences coming to us and we just react, it's very, it's, it's very limiting in terms of the amount of internal freedom that we feel. Rather, when there's external um, external influences that come and then we choose how we're going to react, it creates a space. And that's internal freedom. I think that's the greatest, that's the gold standard of, of freedom that we can go after. And I see this in, in, uh, in the corporate world. And I see it with the, the high-performing uh, CEOs and entrepreneurs that I work with. And, you know, this is where stress and frustrations and, and the way that we're constructing our reality, it's, you can have all the time, you can have all the money in the world, you can have all the success in the world, you can have, you know, the people that are out there and, and living the fame and the glory, but they're feeling incredibly trapped within the reality that created because they don't have the internal freedom. It's the same with time. And so when the time is not an experience, when it's the finish line, then it's perpetually trying to chase it. We don't have yeah. control over that space in between. Yeah, so I see what you're saying there. So basically the the goals create this intensity around the backgrounds. And, and, and so essentially you never have a peaceful existence. Mm. What about the people that love the chase and they love the grind? Um, is that just somebody, would you view them as somebody who's addicted to things that are unhealthy or versus the person who's maybe in that, but just doesn't love it? Um, I love that you asked that question. These are, these are my favorite people that I work with. I love the high-performance, relentless, driven people that are going, like, in, in my community that I work with, we don't believe in balance. We kind of say, screw balance. Balance doesn't exist. You can't go 50-50 in life. You know, you've got one foot in, like, here, one foot in here. You're going to get medi mediocrity in any area of your life. 
versus the perspective of go, I'm going all in, I'm going to have this relentless, like, and we can use hustle here if you want, or you know, determination or whatever it is, go all in. The thing with these people that are really achieving great results is that they have boundaries between the different areas and the highest performers you'll have, if you notice, they're taking care of many elements of their life, but they've got it almost segmented. So they're going all in, they're going 100% all in. And then when they switch, they switch 100%. And it's not a 50-50. And I think this is really healthy. So like when I go to the gym, I go go to CrossFit. CrossFit's hard. It never gets easy. I'm there 100%. I'm not worried about, I I can't even think about what's going to be happening at work or in my relationship or anything else. I'm 100% all in. And then the next thing, I finish that up, and then I go and have breakfast. I, I met my girlfriend at CrossFit, so often we'll sit down after the workout, talk about how hard it was or how awesome it was or whatever, and then I'm there 100% with it. And then go to work. I'm here with you. I'm having this conversation. I'm not thinking about what I have to do after this call or anything else. 100% all in. And so I think that's a really healthy way to bring, if we want to use the language of balance across life, it's not really balance. It's 100% all in. Um and, and, and maximizing the areas that we need to take, like, take care of. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. It almost sounds from an external perspective, like you're saying, balance is really presence. It, balance yeah. is really being present in the moment. Whereas maybe yeah. entrepreneurs suffer from because the goals are external, the goals are futuristic, then they aren't present in the, any future, any present moment almost ever. Yeah. It's, presence is such an important thing. Actually, that's one of the big outcomes of uh, the program that I was referring to. I, I only run it once. I might do it again at some stage. Presence is... It's something that like, entrepreneurs, busy people would love more of. Um, deep conversation to go into. I, I think a lot of what I've noticed in coaching this space, a lot of presence is, or a lot of lack of presence comes from an addiction to distraction and distraction from facing our reality and whatever that reality is. I was just sharing with you just off screen about how when I was – moving from the corporate world into building my first business, distracted from the deep inner loneliness within me. And it was building a business, and especially a, a really exciting business that incorporated my passions and my interests and everything. It was a, it's a wonderful distraction. And it gave me the perfect excuse not to go and create healthy relationships. 
because honestly, I didn't know how. It took me a while to figure that out and really to face it. And that's really painful. It took a lot of courage, took a lot of vulnerability. And I think that's why a lot of people will be trying to, or I think we all are in some degree in some area, distracting ourselves from facing the reality that we need to take care of. But it comes at the expense of prisons. So let's talk about let's talk about this because obviously you know this demographic well. I serve this demographic. I am this demographic of someone who's got huge, ambitious goals, driven, etc. Um, and you talk about distracting yourself from the inner loneliness. So let's say mm. someone recognizes that hey, this is me. What's the journey like? This is me. Um, the first thing is. What's the first part? The first part is it's always it needs to be an awareness. So you've mentioned somebody's somebody sitting here listening to this going, wow, this is me. First day I want to say acknowledge if owning that, even if it's just owning it within yourself and not even having to admit it to anyone else. Because until we have the awareness of it, I, I see this a lot. You know, in, in entrepreneurship, one of the things that I didn't like about it is the egos that come with it. And this, this pursuit of making it look like we've got it all figured out. No one's got it all figured out. Anyone that's trying to make it look that way is, 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 is more disconnected from the reality of what it is that we're trying to achieve here together. So firstly is bring the awareness. Once we've got awareness, we can have perspective, perspective, we've got choice, and then we can take some action around it. Uh, once we've got that, I think that really the next step is, is taking responsibility for it. Uh, responsibility is a big deal. We hear this, this, this phrase thrown around, but I don't think we're having the conversation enough at a, at a deep enough level. So it's like what I mentioned before is when we, any time that we're blaming something, we're externalizing it, making excuse for it, reason for, we're just giving up all of our responsibility for change or to create anything else. What we're not going to take responsibility for, we're not going to be able to change. So the next part, and it's really hard, you know, like it's not easy. This is where I love to work with people that do have this relentless determination because I know this is bloody hard work. And but these kind of people going, all right, this is my next challenge. I've really, I'm crushing a business. I'm making all the money that I want. Yeah, I've got, I've, I've got all the physical things, but my life still kind of sucks. This is the next level, and now we're playing at the next level to bring a level of responsibility for that personal inner work. Um, then after that, it kind of goes into many different parts. <laughs> what does that look like? It's going to look like. I think it's the greatest adventure we can go on. It's going to look really exciting. It's going to look really challenging. It, it, there's the heartbreak moments. It's going, a lot of it, if we go to the emotional side of it, firstly, it starts off with frustration, stress and frustration. Underneath that comes anger. And then we go through the anger. And then underneath the anger comes like a sadness and maybe despair. And then underneath that comes like a grief of needing to let go and process. And then underneath that, we go through and it, all, it almost feels like a breaking point. So that, and then on the other side of that, you know, darkest people at dawn, it all releases and we're like, oh, we're here. The clouds have opened up and the light comes out. We're like, fuck, we made it. <laughs> and then it's awesome. And then we do it again. <laughs> so, so to break it down, like, is it usually like you're, you're discovering your mommy issues and your daddy issues and all those types of things? Is that kind of the journey or is it? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. It's not all. It's not all the mummy and the daddy issues fighting means. Like um, a lot of our. Um, our destructive patterns sure, sure do come from childhood. We've got our imprint years from like between two, five, up until about seven years old. That's where we start really painting the picture of before about five to seven years old, anything is real. We don't have any kind of filter on, you know, it's a magical world. So whatever we see and we give meaning to, that's what we're going to believe. And it seems so ridiculous coming from an adult perspective now, and we'll get to a place and 
you know, people feel embarrassed or they're like, man, I can't believe I, I thought that. That's so weird that it comes out. It sounds so dumb. It doesn't sound dumb at all. It's just that part of your brain that was three or four years old and that's the pattern that was always running. And it could be sure something from, yeah, your mum or your dad. I don't think it's fair to say mummy or daddy issues. It's just childhood upbringing. We're not, none of us are alone with that. But then it also can be something to do with school. It can be something to do with a previous relationship. It can be something to do with like a death of a friend or a family member. It can be, you know, some kind of traumatic, and it's not even maybe traumatic, but some kind of event that happened in your first job. Like there is, we don't need to go looking for challenges in our lives. People go, oh, I, don't need, I don't need coaching. I don't need personal development. Uh, I don't have anything. I'm like, okay. And then somebody's like, where do I start? We're like, well, it's everywhere. A great place to start is which area of your life isn't working the way you'd love it to. If you don't think you've got any problems, maybe, uh, or any challenges, maybe you need to dream bigger. Yeah. <laughs> and then we start unpacking it and we go a bit deeper into that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, someone who doesn't believe they have any issues to work out is has got a long road ahead of them for sure. Um, yeah. So let's talk about what are the most common discoveries or is there a common discovery? I mean, obviously, the, the commonality is these people are hard chargers. They're bearing maybe a lot of problems in their work mm. uh, because they find it so enjoyable. But what what are some of the common things that people find out in this journey? Yeah, or well, speaking to this avatar specifically, like there's a reason why this kind of person that we're talking about, you know, the high achievers, the very best in the business, they don't get there by accident, right? They are driven, they're ambitious, they got this relentless pursuit of excellence. Um, it comes with its own unique set of challenges, of course, the volatility, it can be an ex- um, intense, and, and the pursuit of success you often and usually does come at the expense of another area. As we dive into it, the first thing that often stands out to me is like, and, and not to diminish any of their success, I think it's incredible, it's amazing, and we've got to give a lot of credit to that. In the other areas, the first things I start seeing, and I'm going to speak in like codes that I see rather than context, is these people are often overachievers. I relate to this. This is me. This is why I know the avatar really well. I sense it's probably yourself. It's probably a lot of the people listening on this avatar getting great success in one area and in other areas not getting so much what i notice is they're high achievers and usually overachievers and what overachieving means is that they are giving up parts of themselves in the pursuit of their success and this pursuit of their success is driven by wanting to you know look good a significance wanting to take care of other people um, wanting to fit in or to belong um, wanting to know that they matter they're making a difference in the world. It's the core human drivers. We've all got it at the deepest part of ourselves. When I first got into this um, into this niche, I was coaching people that made far more money, like 10 times more money than I've ever made in my life combined almost, it feels. And I, at first I was like, well, I was asking myself, am I good enough to coach these people? I was externalizing them and I like, you know, bringing up my own imposter securities. And I had to get coaching around that and then realize, well, Actually, yeah, they've created a whole lot of income, but they haven't created, you know, they've got zeros in their bank account, but zeros in their life, they don't have. And I've got the answers to help them with that. And so I started realizing these people were just like me. Everyone is just like me. We're all just like each other. We're all just humans. And we all just want to fit in. And we want to be loved. We want to belong. We want to know that we matter. And so... When we come from these high achieving people, what what the first thing I notice is that they lack boundaries um, and how to 
communicate or serve in a way that's going to serve others but also look after themselves without self-abandoning or self-neglecting what's truly important to them. Um, that comes out so much. And it, it looks different, but it all becomes kind of the same once we go three or four layers deep. And that's the code that I see from the surface, yeah. What have you learned since the book? Since the book? That's a really good question. Um, hmm. In terms of around time and experience? Time and, yeah, and then... So you write the book, and, and I guess here's the foundation for the question. So you write the book, mm. and there's a lot of learning that goes through in processing the book, and then, mm. but then there's an afterwards, right? There's a you're, you're sharing the book with people, you're using those principles in coaching. What new mm. insights have come since you've pushed this out into the yeah. world? Really, really great, uh, really great question. So when I wrote it, it was um, and, and the activities that are in the book, you know, how to change this very quickly. I put straight into a coaching program. And um, a, a, one of the ones is, um, I can't remember the exact language I use in it now. It was a while ago that I wrote it. Um, they say, when it comes to time, I don't have enough time. I've never got enough time, for example. And when you start paying attention to the way your external, you know, your dialogue, what you're saying to people, or your internal dialogue, what you're consistently thinking, you realize that's really shaping your reality. And start noticing, most people have like five to seven things they consistently say around time. And when we bring attention to it, it seems so basic, but it's such a powerful exercise to go, okay, I'm aware of it now, and I'm going to reframe this into what's going to serve me. I don't have, an, I never have enough time. Well, I have enough time for everything that's most important in my life. I have enough time for what's most important, for example. And what that presupposes is goes, well, I don't have enough time, but I'm sitting here watching Netflix, or I'm here like spending hours scrolling on my phone or Instagram. Well, I have enough time for that but I don't have enough time to go and get fit at the gym or I don't have enough time to you know, play with the kids or whatever, whatever it is. So we've all got enough time in the day for what's most important. That's where we're directing our priorities. So I love little reframes like that. And so we, we, we built this, um, the program out based around these concepts of time. And then what I realized is these codes directly translate across to say emotions this is foundational stuff. There's, of course, there's further depths and more complex, but it's such a great starting point to go, well, how is it that you're consistently feeling in terms of like, what's your resting emotional state? A lot of people just live in a state of boredom or, or despair or like frustration or anger or, or sadness. And they just, that's their reality that they live in. And when we become aware of that, then we can rewrite it with awareness and go, well, it's, a, it's my choice to feel this way. What is it that I'm doing to feel this way? And then we use the exact same codes in the book around our relationship with time and change our relationship with ourselves and our experience of life through our emotions. And through doing the program, that's what I realized. I was like, wow, like it's not that hard. All we need to do is create some awareness and just do some little tweaks. And then our life is incredibly different as a result. Yeah, absolutely. What is your vision for your life and business next 12 to 18 months? 12 to 18 months. Uh, one thing I'm really loving, what I've discovered about myself over the last, more and more, probably since moving to Bali, which is two years, three, about three years ago, over the last three years, I've realized that my core driver that just lights me up so much is collaboration. 
And that's why I'm putting a lot of time to come and speak with people like yourself, get on podcasts, um, doing lots more free events. I'm heading over to the Dominican Republic. I'm in Sofia in Bulgaria. So I spent just the last few months traveling around Europe in Sofia and Bulgaria now, heading over to the Dominican Republic to uh, facilitate a retreat over there. And uh, and then another one in Costa Rica straight after. And it's I'm just... I'm just loving doing these live collaboration calls, bringing people together. And I'm a facilitator. So what that means is bringing people together and I'm not going to stand there and talk and and be the expert on the matter. I love to see other people be the heroes in their journey, being the experts for each other. And so the collaboration and connection in that environment is just lighting me up so much. So what I'm seeing is collaborating with more of that, getting getting together with more entrepreneurial CEOs within their teams or within their networks and bringing people together and do a lot more of that. Um, how that's going to look, I'm not quite sure. I'm still getting a bit of a feel for the kinds of events. I'm really loving business, like entrepreneurial events. Um, but I also really love the emotional intimacy space as well, uh, the deeper inner healing work. Um, I love sales events. I, I love it all. So I think it's just a matter of going and exploring it for myself. Um, in 18 months' time, that's that's where I'd love to be and then um, really building up my community. So I'm building up the different tiers. You know, I can only work with so many people one-on-one, so really creating more foundational community and instilling that kind of philosophy into it that we can be the heroes in our own journey and for each other. Um, that way... I feel like I'm leaving my mark on in the community or on the world while I'm still going away and attending to bigger and other things that I'm passionate about as well. Um, I, I I love adventure. I, go, I just want to chase the wind, go kite surfing and ride my motorbikes and, and and do what it is. I got my girlfriend into riding motorbikes and kite surfing now, so I, I don't know. I'm so excited for the future. That sounds so fun. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your book, about time. And and I think there's so much value here for the people listening, particularly around the questions of like, are you where you want to be in all the different parts of your life? The question I think I'm taking away for myself is, is, is how fully present am I over the vast or over the different areas of my life? But um, guys, you're out there listening. You probably took away something different. Write down what you learned, share it with somebody you know, so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Love it. Awesome, man. Really cool. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 